0: Before we continue with the show, a quick word from today's episode partner, UBS. Do you want to grow with your business? Then the UBS Growth Talks may be for you. You will get support from peers and experts in order to take that next big step towards success. And the best thing, it's free of charge. For more information, go to ubs.com forward slash growth talks.
1: Switzerland is still a bit more um, conservative when it comes to valuation and when it comes to um, putting trust into an idea, basically.
0: Welcome to the Swisspreneur Show, a podcast about startup stories and learnings from experienced entrepreneurs. Here's your host, Sylvan. Patrick, Martin, a very well welcome to the Swiss Pinner Show. It's a pleasure to have you here today. Thank you.
2: Thanks. It's a pleasure for us as well.
0: Patrick, you are the Head of Corporate Finance at UBS Switzerland, and you, Martin, are a Senior Client Advisor for Large Corporates at UBS. And today we're going to talk about the On story, basically from from the background story, behind the scenes. So first, Patrick, I want to know, when did you actually first meet the On co-founders, Kaspar, David, and Olivier?
2: Um, I actually know exactly when I met these guys the first time. It was on the 5th or 6th July, 2013. And I don't know, um, this date so precisely because, um, these are such in- impressive guys. It was just because there was three fish on the same date. And I remember that I called them, got them up in the morning and asked them if it's okay if we're going to arrive in the afternoon for the meeting with shorts and t-shirts. And they said, yeah, that's how we work anyway. So, um, just come as, as you like. And so, uh, we, we traveled to Solico and we met these guys, um, in a municipal center. I think it's called in English, mm-hmm. um, where from off the church and they rented a, an office there, an office space. And there were just eight guys at that point. And so, uh, we were ringing the bell and the guys came out and they told us you can enter the building so far. So first you have to check out the shoes. And so they gave us two pair of shoes. It was a friend of mine as well with me there. And we had to go running for 20 minutes. So um, I thought, okay, you know, first of all, we were not really eager um, to meet these guys because we thought, you know, Swiss running shoes, what's up with that? Mm -hmm. And so um, then we we tried them on and then we know why the story actually developed in that uh, that way because it was a completely different feeling. And uh, we were already impressed before we even started talking.
0: A really humble beginning, so to speak, at the very first impression.
2: Yes, absolutely. I mean, these guys, um you could see they were so um committed. they were they loved their own product. And for us, it was like you know you can imagine as a banker, you arrive um, somewhere outside um in a small village um in front of a church municipal center, and they're going to tell you you're going to be the new brand in running shoes tomorrow. And um, actually already when we when we were traveling there, we were talking about it and said, okay, it's going to be a quick meeting. It's not going to last for long. So there is no way that we're going to be able to finance these guys. And everything changed after.
0: Wow. Yeah. Martin, I wonder when you first heard about the On idea, about mm-hmm. their running shoes, what were your first thoughts?
1: My first thoughts were, were um, like, how should, these guys compete against adidas and nike and asics and so on and so forth because these were at that time these were the only or let's say the big brands you knew when you thought about running shoes right and when i first heard about them i, I, I never heard about on or anything and 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 then basically my first meeting was also i think that's the way they start the meetings right so you have to try the shoes yeah. Uh unfortunately I wasn't wearing uh, um, um shorts and a t-shirt, I was wearing a suit at that time. Um but we still had to try the shoes, and I think that's somehow how they convince you by trying the product, right? Because when it's a, a brand no one knows in a market which is which is uh which is basically all set by the big brands, mm-hmm. I think you have to try the product and get convinced by just the, 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 the feeling of the product, right?
0: Yeah, that's probably the only way you can also then win clients because otherwise they would probably. still just go to the big brands. Yeah, probably, yes, yeah. So, Patrick, when they actually reached out to you, what were they looking for? Where did they ask for your support, for your input?
2: Um, they asked actually for a financing um, of uh, their networking capital, so they need some, some more cash to um, prepay all their orders. And and therefore, um, you know, at the beginning, I mean, it's at that point, they didn't generate any cash. It was pretty early in, in their development phase as, uh, as a startup. Actually, it's uh, I think they were three or four years old at that point. I think they started off in 2010, if I remember correctly. And um, so they were growing very rapidly. And so they needed more uh, networking capital or capital actually to grow. And, um, and they went through this Swiss Economic Forum process. They were, um, I think they were actually winning the award in that year as well as uh, an innovation in, um, in production or uh, sporting goods. I think, I don't know if the, the overall, um, uh, category on, on the Ceph award was named for, but it's, it was kind of a, a product, um, an innovation product, actually, mm-hmm. that, that they had uh, won the award. And, um, UBS and the Swiss Economic Forum, we, t- we have together kind of a special product, which is called, um, today it's called safe, uh, dot growth. At that point, it was safe for Kaimu, where we provide early access to loans. If you pass through the process of the Swiss Economic Forum when they assess the startup. So you get a label, which is a certified label um, from a Swiss quality perspective. So if you get that label, we are able as UBS to look at the company um, to provide them with loans. So not equity. Mm-hmm. So with real loans, um, even though these guys don't generate cash yet. Because ordinary in a, a startup needs to generate cash or a company needs to generate cash first because they have to repay the debt, obviously, because we are not equity. As a bank, you always have to get the back money back. Um, and so they, they, uh, they were winning this award and at the same time they got the label. And then we, we were approached due to, the, uh, due to this um, special program to check if we actually can provide them with loan in this say for KMU initiative. So that's how we we um we actually got approached, and um and that's why you know it was one out of several startups at that point. Mm-hmm. And um, you know sporting shoes or running shoes were not on the top list actually when we were looking through our list of um of of companies which were applying for loans.
0: And why was actually the loan the right strategy for for on back then instead of going for an equity round?
2: You know, if if you're an owner of a company, uh, it's always better to get loans because you don't wanna you, you don't wanna get um, uh, washed out or, or uh, get you know pass on some more equity of your success story, mm-hmm. and it's your baby you want to hold on as to on as many uh, shares you actually can, um, and as long as there is someone out there who provides you with loans, um, you definitely try to go that path. And um, and there is an additional thing, actually. I think there is uh, a benefit if you have a professional loan um, provider, like a bank, uh, in uh, in in your uh, or in in your capital structure, because you have to start being more professional in reporting. So it's different than having just equity from friends and family um, in your startup, because at that point where you really have professionals partners in there, um, you have to get more professional in reporting that helps you also to control your company in much tighter rules Mm -hmm. and um, much more following your internal regulations as well. So, I think um, that's why they tried to get loan. It's cheaper money, obviously. Mm -hmm. Loan is always cheaper than equity. And, uh, And they knew that they want to grow fast. And they hope that we, I mean, they, they read about this opportunity uh, with Swiss Economic Forum to get um, loans. So um, they were trying out this path. And at the same time, they were always in discussions about equity, as far as I know. But um, that was kind of in a parallel process. And, mm-hmm. you know, you always try to get the loans in if you can.
0: And then, Martin, how did that actually look like when you actually worked with ON? Uh, because the first loan was probably not enough. You also needed more money with the future growth of the company, I could imagine.
1: Absolutely. I mean, we were trying to support them alongside the growth, right? And they had a. a, a it, it, if we look back, they had a tremendous growth that was unbelievable. Uh, can't exactly recall, but I think they they grew year on year like 60, 70, 80 percent, which is unbelievable, right? Yeah. And uh, and we were trying to make sure that we can basically accompany their 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 growing needs alongside with their growth, um, with the financing and we had uh, extensive discussions with them. And uh, it was always, discussions were always very professional because they knew exactly what they were talking about. They Mm -hmm. knew exactly what they needed. And they really, they had their business under control. And that was fascinating for a startup or for a a company with such high growth here, right? Because usually what we see is when, when company are in a startup phase or even the stage after startup phase, when they enter the growth phase, um, basically, everything is lacking a bit behind, right? So th- th- there is this sparkling growth, and finance and controlling and everything is at least two or three steps behind. Not so with On. They always had it. They always had the right setup. They had the right system. They were stringent with their controls, and they had an, a, 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 an absolutely top-notch reporting towards the banks, and that made it easier for us. To provide additional financing right because when you as a bank when you feel that the guys have it under control um you're you're sort of you're sort of um, um, um more supportive in providing additional financing right because you know what they say they're going to deliver what they say mm-hmm. and if i remember correctly they always they always over delivered so, so that
0: that builds trust, right? Exactly. In the end, it's all about trust. I just absolutely. wanted to say, it. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Why were they able to not only deliver that much and over deliver, but also have these strong reporting capabilities? Did they just have the right skill set on their own? Did they hire the right people? What was the the key part there to actually be able to execute on that? I think it was a combination. Um, first
1: of all, they had the right people in the right positions, and they. I think they were. It was clear to them that. Even though they came from different organizations, from large organizations, it was clear to them that um, when, 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 when working for on, they had to deliver in a startup mode. So do it, right? Yeah. Um, that was the first thing. And I think also what they what they did very well is they had they had systems and automation from the beginning. So they didn't, if I remember correctly, they didn't start up with excellent stuff. They had a they had an ERP in place, which which basically which basically allowed them. I, I still remember one of my first meetings with the CFO. Um, he told me that well, I can I can basically log into my ERP and I know our global sales um, thirty minutes later. So the actual sales with a thirty minute delay on a global scale for for a small company at that time, and uh, I was like whoa. That can't be, right? That's crazy. That's absolutely crazy. But they did it. So it's a combination between people and system and mindset,
0: I guess. Yeah. Well, really impressive. Mm -hmm. Patrick, at the same time, you not only gave a loan or even supported their equity round, you actually also do a lot of discussions to plan and observe, analyze different scenarios with the companies that you work with. So at those stages, these discussions, what were the scenarios that you looked at and how do you actually help them in the decision-making process?
2: You know, overall, um, which is probably interesting from some other, um, let's say consumer product startups as well, um, the most, one of the biggest challenge for a consumer product um, company is actually to get um, the financing of the future sales. So, this is um, what I mentioned before with networking capital. It's uh, basically the money you need to finance um, tomorrow, right? So, um, when, and that's what a bank actually doesn't like to do because this is high risk. I mean, sure. when you think about if you produce t shirts, right? And, uh, and today the color pink is, uh, is hype and everybody buys the pink t shirt, you have to order them now to sell next summer. But next summer maybe pink is not uh, hype anymore. So um, you, you're gonna you're gonna get stuck on your on your T-shirt. You have to do discounts, and you not get the money or the margins, which you need to generate money and pay, repay um, a credit. Mm-hmm. And the same the same situation was actually on on, and that's that was the, the biggest challenge we had at the beginning. Because um, uh, as a bank, financing basically their future sales is not definitely not what we want to do. And th- we have a lot of these um, requests actually um, on a daily basis. Because whenever someone wants to open up a shop, he has to invest first to get you know basically their uh, their backlog in and to get the products in and something on the shelf. But you have to get the money for this, and nobody actually is willing to invest in this as a bank because. We're not sure if we actually return, we get the money back. Mm-hmm. So um, what we did on on, and this was actually the, the longest discussion. It didn't take actually just a couple of weeks. So I think we we said we were done with a, with the first credit line after six months, five to six months. So we worked quite heavily um, with these guys. And what we did was actually not relying on um, on their expectation. We were only relying on effective um, orders. So they had such a fast grow in in orders, in fixed sig- signed orders across the world that we were looking at the order, order income and we were basing our loans um, or our credit level on their order level. Because so that we actually knew that whatever they actually have as a fixed order in there, they will be able to ship because they were not an own retailer. They were at only distributor actually mm-hmm. at this point. They didn't have a flagship store yet like now. So... Um, what they what they had to do is just kind of get the money from their clients in at the end, and that's what you get when they sign an order fixed. Right. And on these orders, there, there was kind of some uh, I can't remember precisely, but there were some some uh, rules in there that at least I think sixty percent of the orders have to be paid anyway. So we were relying on this sixty percent, and then at the end, that's what happened over time. And I think, Martin, you can confirm this. Um We were growing with their order book. And we were not basically relying on their whatever business plan they, they're going to tell me, we're going to sell 2 million shoes in 2000, whatever, at that point, 15, 16, right. because we were not able to do that, because this is hot air. It's mm-hmm. like like I have 1% um, uh, market market share of whatever Switzerland. This is nothing we actually can bet on as a bank. But we had to rely on, on really safe, kind of uh, more or less safe assu- uh, um, assumption related to orders. And that's how we actually were growing basically with our credit line with the business of ON. And you were talking about scenarios. That's what we were talking with these guys. So we, they came up with a first financial plan. We looked at the financial plan and we said, you know, we actually would rely the, or, or change the the financing pl- financial plan of on more on uh, fixed revenues or fixed orders you know mm-hmm. then a part of it's going to be kind of ex- expectations assumptions and then we have to have a um, clear uh, definition of what assumption is laying behind those additional growth and um depending on you know the certainty of this of the achievement of these uh, assumptions we were able to grow with our credit line and this is actually a model i talked to to martin avon um, several times after our fi- financing they used for a long time i'm not sure how long maybe you know better martin than i do but um they used this model actually for quite a long time not to over invest or mm-hmm. to grow fast or to spend more money or capital and they actually really need. Because you can do both. You can buy, you can invest too much at the beginning and you're mm-hmm. not going to sell it, or you can be too low and then you're not going to be able to provide your products at the end. So yeah. it's kind of a balancing act for every product um, producer or retailer in the world. And I think that really helped them to grow, um, you know, with a, with a necessary capital investment, I would say. Mm.
1: And I think what they also did very well is they they very well balanced between equity and debt. So they they frequently did some equity rounds, which is a bit counterintuitive in the sense of that you're being diluted as a founder, right? You you have to give away um, uh, basically shares of your baby, of your company. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, um, with that, they made sure that the investments are equally paid or not equally, but they were paid by equity and debt. So in that way, uh, their balance sheet never got imbalanced basically mm-hmm. between equity and debt. And they they played this game very, very well. Mm-hmm. That's what I was saying before, right? Yeah. Um, they had a very professional attitude and they knew what they were doing.
2: Yeah. And I think interestingly, they were able to um, approach very, very professional investors Absolutely. all the time. Yep. And investors which which um, had the same kind of DNA as the three founders. Also the team itself. I mm-hmm. think they had... A, A very good hand. I mean, I think there is is always some luck with it as well that you get the right guys in. But um, I think they they just had uh, the right approach to get the the people in they needed on the equity side as a sponsor or partner as well as as, um, in the business. Because I didn't met any guy who was not affected by this on virus at all. Mm -hmm. because they all were kind of happy to be there. And that helps. You know, it it was not just, you know, I don't know if you talk to the three guys now, it was not just a smooth pass to success. Of course not. They got hit several times. Um, They were not successful in some of the markets. Um, They had some product issues. But if you have, you know, uh, an equity or... Uh, an owner group together which um, knows that we're going to make it and they stick together, Mm. that gives you actually the confidence to to make smart decisions and not just bold decisions at the end, I think.
1: The interesting thing you're saying is this on-virus, basically. Um, Whenever you walk into their office, um, back then but also nowadays, when you walk into their office, it's sort of entering a different world. As you were saying, I mean it's not the case that everything went smooth from the beginning mm-hmm. but even if there were obstacles and even if there were setbacks basically whenever you came into the office you you could feel this positive um this positive um um attitude and not just from the founders or the management team it's
0: basically it was all over mm-hmm. right so um this virus spread very well actually i mean they're also really big marketing talents i mean yeah. their storytelling Of course, the product is amazing, but also the marketing storytelling, Mm. that's outstanding.
2: I think that's um, the pairing of these two skills. I mean, when you know where they're coming from, I think this is a very important part of their success as well. Mm -hmm. I think um, they're branding experts, obviously, Mm -hmm. and they're marketing experts. And they had, um, I I think, a product. And at the beginning, I mean, the product had some flaws as well, like every product does but um they were able to you know not to be too um over overly you know um confident about how good they are so they were they were willing to learn on the way and and they always used it also in a positive way in their brand and i think uh it was the pairing of these two skills was was probably one of the most important uh, success factors of the guys mm-hmm.
0: Another third point that I also quickly want to address with you, because that was an important decision factor in the beginning when granting that first loan, was their asset-light strategy. What role did that play for you as a bank?
2: Yeah, obviously, um, for, for us, it's always good if they're not putting all the money we give them, we get, we, uh, we're we going to give them right in bricks and stones or machineries, because uh, usually in, in today's world in particular, um, this is a higher, higher risk strategy. And... Um, f- I think on, uh, as I mentioned before, at the beginning, I think these were more like marketing guys than actually manufacturing or, or industrial guys from a background. And that's how they played it, I think. I mean, I was not involved in all these discussions, obviously. But when you look how they did it, it was um, very, very acid light. I mean, I met them, there were eight guys. Um, and with, out of eight guys, they were already, I think, on a level of hundred hundred fifty thousand 150,000 shoes, produced somewhere in Vietnam, um, delivered to, I think, I don't know anymore, but 10, 12 different countries. And, and nowhere, they had their own people on the ground. And it still worked. And so they used actually this kind of no asset or asset light model uh, in in a perfectly way, I think. And this is, is, I think, actually a very good um, model for Swiss companies. Because in Switzerland, assets are expensive anyway. Labor is expensive. And as long as you can actually grow without having your own assets... Um, it's much fle- more flexible. You you be a- you're able to uh, adjust to any moves wherever, if it's uh, on a geographic geographical uh, perspective or on a labor perspective or on a manufacturing pr- perspective, and um, and it also gives you the flexibility to get a partner in, which is top notch. Mm-hmm. You know, I think today um, to be technology on a technology frontier um, on top of it as a as a company. It has to be your core skill, but if you if you need manufacturing skills which are top notch or world world famous, it's not going to be you're not going to be able to do this by yourself. You rather ask the guy who is uh, capable of doing this. And the, I think the the special, specialization um, grew over the last twenty years um, rapidly. And and I think they they played it like an early ecosystem, which is in everybody's mouth today. Right? Everybody's talking about ecosystem. They did that at day one. And that's, I think, a very smart um, business model, which helped us as well. Actually, from uh, from a lending perspective, you are you are really checking out the risks, and the risks are lower if they can actually move from one to the other guys, uh, if from from one supplier or or distributor to another one. If uh, if you need to adjust on margins or costs or whatever, and then you can play the market. And I think this is this helps as a bank actually to
0: to uh, to finance. So it's not only about trust, it's also about de-risking to then have a good feeling, yeah, we can actually do that. We can give you a loan.
2: Right, even though, I mean, to be honest, de-risking, we, we were just growing with them, right? <laughs> from from <laughs> a banking perspective, uh, right. we, we just were lending more and more. And uh, it, took, uh, it took a long time till they actually were really generating cash because mm-hmm. they're investing everything in, in growth. Uh-huh. And this is what happens to a lot of startups at the beginning. And then you need the breath to um, stay with them. And I think we did that quite well.
1: Absolutely. But I think what they also did quite well is uh, you were mentioning about uh, manufacturing capabilities. Um, So they they had this asset light model, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, That's not only true for the manufacturing part. It's also true for the logistics and warehousing part. Mm-hmm. So also there, they didn't do it themselves. Why should they? I mean, it's a global scale, right? Eight people out of uh, out of zolikon uh, might be a tough game. Sure. Uh, so they they basically um, uh, contracted someone who is world
0: champion in doing that. Mm-hmm. And it worked out. And you also mentioned that you actually grew with the company, right? Mm-hmm. So you started with a single-digit million loan, uh, basically, and then you increased the, their steadily even to three digits, you know, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. And I wonder, you know, across all that process, the growth, did you ever have any sleepless nights where you thought, oh, what are we doing here? This is not going to end well. (laughs) Um, (laughs) uh, No, (laughs) to to be honest,
1: I think we never had sleepless nights, no. Um, Well, we had sleepless nights, but not because of on. Um, (laughs) But um, um, no, honestly, no. Um, Because as I said before, We built up trust with them or they built up trust Mm -hmm. with us. So we always knew when they're going to say something that they're going to achieve it. They proved in the past, they proved in the present, and we were convinced that they will prove it in the future. And based on that professional behavior, um, we were very confident that this one is going to work out. So... uh, it, it comes back to what we said before right mm-hmm. the right people the right systems and the right attitude and they just did it yeah. and of course i mean we had excessive discussions as patrick mentioned before um sometimes a, a new loan contract took us a couple of months to um to basically uh uh to to sign it right um we had excessive discussions with them we had um hard discussions with them mm-hmm. but the good thing is it was sort of a, a, a sparring partner situation, right? So we learned from them, and I think they learned also um, from us. And and they and they always listened to uh, to the advice. They not always they took it or they did it exactly as we as we advised them, but they always took the advice and made something out of it.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: That was really key. I think this is actually a a very important point when I compare on to some of um, the other um, fast-growing companies or startups in Switzerland we are working with. Um, They were always open for external views, and it doesn't matter on which topic, I think. They were never kind of um, you know proud, proud uh, or too proud actually to listen to other experts, mm-hmm. and um, a- also in the beginning. And I think uh, when you when you listen to these guys even today, um, they are still impressed of others. I mean when you when you saw them on the IPO as well, I mean um, they don't look like the proud guys which are you know world famous now. Um, I think they are still eager to learn, and that's mm-hmm. that's what helps actually if you if you um, as a financing partner as well. We have uh, we had um, uh, a lot of exchanges and and you actually we also got this feeling that when we ask them for something or we we were not sure about them, something of their development or for what they actually need more more loans um, they were very open they were listened to us and if we told them maybe it's too much for now why why we we're not waiting for whatever they were always kind of um, listening to us and, and thinking it through one more time. And they sometimes they push back and they say, no, now we need it, whatever. Sure, but I think it's um, a part, what you said, like a sparring partner. We see a lot of companies approaching us. They, they already know everything and they don't listen to anyone. And I don't think this is a good, um, a, a good way of, uh, of uh, developing a company because there is always someone out there who knows more than you do. And you rather listen to them and, uh, and then you can still make your own decision at the end. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what they did well.
0: I think you touched upon a, a couple of very important sort of characteristics of a successful founder or a successful business person overall mm-hmm. now in that interview. You also mentioned the IPO. So in 2021, On then got publicly listed, but not in Switzerland. They went to the US. Why do you think was that the right decision, Martin?
1: Well, I think that, first of all, US is the biggest market to them. It's the biggest running shoe market worldwide, right? Um, and, and I think that itself um, certainly um, uh, basically also led to the decision to IPO in the US and i think also um if you look at the if you look at the ipo market switzerland i mean i like the swiss ipo market but i think it's if you look at valuations for example i think switzerland is still a bit more um conservative when it comes to valuation and when it comes to um putting trust into an idea basically mm-hmm. and the us with the silicon valley and everything i think in the us the investors are more like yeah, give it a try, go. And here in Switzerland, it'd be more like, well, give it a little try and see what happens and then give it another little try and see what happens. In yeah. the US, it's just big, boom. Yeah. And I think that also helped um, or basically un, uh, uh, supported their decision um, to do in a US IPO.
2: I think there were um, another two additional factors to this. Um, their ownership structure changed as well over time. So they had much more American or... Um, uh, American uh, shareholders as well on board. So uh, as soon as you actually have an international um, shareholder mix, uh, you have to take care of all of them, not just the Swiss um, side. And, and the other thing, it's a consumer product. and There is only one market that is actually the best market for consumer product, and that's the, the US market. And I think this was another main driver, you know, from a valida- valuation standpoint as well, um, a consumer product which is listed in, in, in New York, it's a different story. And if you get the chance, I mean, why wouldn't you, right? I mean, if I get the chance to get listed at the New York Stock Exchange, okay, don't ask me twice. Sure. And, um, <laughs> and at the end, if, if you really have the power, and at that point, global uh, On was, or On still is a global brand. And the global brand has another, has the choice, you know, if you're if you're not as big, or if you're more focused on European uh, markets, um, I think the Swiss IPO would have done it as well. And I never, I, I don't think, if you would have talked to them five years ago that they're gonna um, get listed on the New York Stock Exchange, they're probably not gonna tell you yes, sure, that's the plan. That was not the plan at all. And actually, they didn't. I don't think even they had a plan. It was their dream, but. The first stream was probably an IPO in Switzerland, not right one out of New York. Mm-hmm. but um, I think you know for consumer good and when you see that even Dwayne Johnson was wearing the shoes on the Super Bowl, um, I think they made it. So I, I would have taken a chance as well, even though you know we, we would have loved them having them in Switzerland, but obviously
0: um, for them it's the best sure. best way to do it. Mm. In that regard, you know UBS never invested its own money into on from an equity standpoint. <laughs> You personally, I don't know, but is that something that you (laughs) regret?
2: We we neither. (laughs) I would love to have to. (laughs) Never get the chance. Um, No, actually, UBS doesn't invest in any startup directly, except um, startups or or companies which get uh, somehow related to UBS or um, or kind of, you know, working with UBS. But other than that, we're not investing. We don't have a fund or anything yet. We're working on this. Um, but, um, that's why we are. St- um, sticking to, to the bank loan, as as our function as a bank actually is, what we are doing is uh, we're helping um, uh, our our clients to invest in startups, like uh, our wealth management clients. So um, they get the chance to actually invest directly in some of the startups. And that's what we did with ON as well, actually. So we help them to find some investors uh, at the early stage. And that's what we do with startups. But UBS doesn't invest directly in startups as a program like uh, some of our peers do. Yeah, then these
0: cases make you think, oh, should we not change that yes, strategy?
2: Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So um, I was following the IPO and I thought, okay, would have been a nice story. Absolutely. <laughs>
0: Do you think in that regard that we will see more Swiss companies doing an IPO and going public soon?
2: I think there is definitely um, a trend for smaller IPOs. And um, that helps the, US, the the Swiss startup scene, I think, or even the Swiss companies doesn't it doesn't have to be just a startup, obviously, but um, uh, in Switzerland right now, the, the, the SIX currently um, is working on a, a solution where they are able to, to um, create a platform for smaller startups. It's called Sparks. Um, it's actually quite interesting. I think th- th- this helps you to have, uh, with a lower capital structure volume, um, to already have a public offering. Um, I think it, it, they're still working on it. I didn't know. I don't know if they already have one. I think they don't. But um, I think next year they plan to to get this parks model going. And the other one is this new um, specs scene, which probably a lot of um, the startup uh, community knows already about. Uh, I think this is a, a very fast growing and interesting market in the US. Mm-hmm. It's already uh, working very very well. So you see a lot of you know, fast growing companies getting basically an IPO through a spec. Um, in Switzerland, there are, there's a lot of discussions going on right now. I think they've, there are a couple of specs out there. Um, a closing, as of now, at least I know, wasn't done yet, but pretty close to it. I think it actually could happen already in 2021. But um, I think this is interesting, and this this helps actually, you know, you, you need a certain size. Obviously, this is not your first couple of year thing, right? Um, You need a certain size, but it gives definitely an easier access to public capital um, for fast growing companies than in the past. And in in particular for Switzerland, I think this is a good sign because in the past, um, you know, we were always behind the Anglo section. Um, areas because um, the capital markets in the U.S. And, and Great Britain were completely different. There is much easier access to capital to smaller tranches, but you also have a different market. You have um, out of the box a 300 million um, client market for a consumer Prague instead of a couple of millions in Switzerland. So you, your growth potential is different. That's why their markets developed faster. Okay. And I think with the digital channels today, your borders are not as important anymore. So even Swiss companies getting easier access to international markets, and that that helps actually to have double digit growth numbers and gives you access to other capital. That's I think a, this is interesting.
0: Really, really motivating. So, the the sky is the limit, so to speak, <laughs> for some. When yeah. you
2: look at some of the startups, I think um, they're doing a great job, and I think we're a fascinating startup market in Switzerland.
0: Mm-hmm. I think what what what
1: you what people have to th- think through um quite thoroughly when talking about an IPO. Is also that at the moment you do this IPO, you're public. Of course. So beforehand, you, you, you sort of you, you do your own thing, right? And, and, and you might have a brand out there and you do marketing for your brand, but as soon as, as, as you're, you're public, your figures, your financials are also public. Yeah. So by then you become very, very visible. And, and people just need to be aware of that fact.
0: Yeah, it's it's easy to underestimate that to say, yeah. oh, I want to go public for the sake of going public, right. but I don't want to have all the downsides that can also come with it. Yeah, you also have to be fully aware of those who make a conscious decision.
1: You have uh, reporting um, uh, duties after right. after the IPO, right? And and and
0: and you better fulfill them. Absolutely. Yeah,
2: yeah and your entrepreneurial decision making is going to be different after yeah. because yeah. Uh, that uh, you have to basically explain every little decision. Uh, publicly, which is um, could take a lot of time, limits your flexibility, mm-hmm. limits your um your kind of um, re- re- reaction time as well to whatever going on in the market. And so you need a certain um, level of um, of growth or, or volume in your business area or, or market share because otherwise I don't think it's actually the right thing to do.
1: And you might uh, certainly you, you you might find, your financials being discussed in the media which wasn't the case before and you have to and you have to justify your decisions in the media mm-hmm. and that's a different story than only in brackets of course justifying your decisions with your um, closed investor group beforehand sure. so yeah.
2: and so, there is a, there are actually companies out there they are doing the other way around right so we see some delistings listings mm-hmm. as well because mm-hmm. if you if you see that um, the benefits are not not good enough um, at the end you you decide after a certain time to delist or a part of the business again to get to keep up with the speed of the market because that's the challenge of the of the large companies today right um, the the smaller ones the fast growing companies they're much more flexible and dynamic and um, and this could also be a disadvantage mm-hmm. if you're getting large and public
0: mm-hmm. i guess before we dive into the last part i have one final question for you now imagine there's a Swiss company that wants to go big, wants to go international and really make it, inspired by the on-story that you just shared. Mm-hmm. Where should they get help? What would you recommend to them in order to increase the chances of getting there? Maybe you you can go first, Martin.
1: Um, I would recommend them to talk to the industry leaders. In the industry, They they, they want to grow, basically. So talk to people who did it before, talk to people which were successful which were unsuccessful talk about the ups and downs and always be open to receive advice and ask for ask for advice and ask for help i think that's the most important thing wonderful
0: patrick
2: yeah i um i fully agree with uh, martin's um uh, points i think in addition um don't be too eager um sometimes it takes a little bit more time than you think um, a little bit of patience helps. Uh, and uh, listen, as, as, as you mentioned, listen to a lot of different experts mm-hmm. and uh, and start to talk early. Um, because if you wait too long and you, you think you have to do it within the next 12 months, it's not going to work. Mm-hmm. So um, talk early about op- options and always op- leave open as many options as possible. Mm-hmm. because um, you don't know what's coming. I mean, who knew about um, our pandemic situation? And exactly. there are a couple of guys out there which were very, very close to the next step and they got hit badly. Mm-hmm. And as, as more option, you, you keep up and uh, and you, ha- you can still make you know flexible decisions at the end. It will help you. So this, this will be my advice because um, you never know what's coming.
0: Very good advice. Thank you for sharing that. Now, for the very final part, we have some rapid-fire questions for you. (laughs) I give you a quick selection or a short question, and you have to answer in one sentence. Are you ready? Yeah. Yeah, Let's see. The first one is for you, Martin. Mm -hmm. Product or marketing? (laughs) Um, Product. Why? Um,
1: I think you can have world-class marketing if the product, if the essence isn't Mm -hmm. right,
0: it will fail sooner or later. Fair point. For you, Patrick, growth or profitability um, profitability um, but that doesn't mean that you shouldn't grow yep. Martin, debt or equity financing <laughs> both <laughs> a, a good mix of both yeah yeah uh, that's sorry, that's the only answer I can give a good mix of both. That's a fair point. Patrick, IPO in Switzerland or in the us
2: if i'm able to make it in the us um, and i have a product which is
0: um uh, like a consumer product i would definitely do it in the us great and the question for both of you maybe to start with you martin mm-hmm. what's your favorite on shoe um my all time my all time favorite is my first onshoe, that's the cloud nice
2: mine as well actually
1: oh boring. black black <laughs> black black no i had it blue white <laughs> mine was blue white but uh, uh, maybe to um um to stretch that question a bit um I'm very eager to see the night and the new cyclone. This um, this uh, sustainable shoe they're developing now, or they have developed, uh, which you and they say you can't own it. You just have to su- uh, subscribe exactly. to it. I-, I think it's out next summer, if I'm not mistaken. Cool. And I'm very much looking forward to that one. Yeah. Just because of the idea, producing yeah. a shoe out
0: of, um, I think it's beans, some 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 sort of beans. Exactly. So, yeah. yeah. And also from a business model perspective, I mean, yeah. that's fantastic. Absolutely. Uh-huh. Yeah. Guys, thank you so much for stopping by. That was a lot of fun. Uh, all the best, and hopefully many more on cases that you can work with out here from Switzerland. Take thank care. Thank you.
2: Thanks, all. It was a pleasure.